Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. section of scripture last week we were in John chapter 5 we'll be in verse 36 today but we were talking about how the witnesses the things that witness to get to Jesus being God we talked about first of all he said that he would witness to his own self but they wouldn't believe him also the fact that the Bible told us over in Deuteronomy that at the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every matter be established. And so Jesus says, you wouldn't accept my testimony and it's not legally admissible anyway. And so then he appeals, he says in verse uh, 32, there's another that bears witness of me and I know the witness which he witnesses of me is true. And he's talking about the Father. And then he, last week we finished up with this last section. We talked about verses 33 to 35. It said, You have sent to John, and he has become, he has borne witness to the truth, yet I do not receive testimony from man. But I say these things that you might be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a time to rejoice in his light. He says that that you rejoiced in John, that he came as a witness, to bear witness. John said that many, many times. And he says here that uh, for a time you were willing to rejoice in his light. What happened was they found out that he was against their religious system of works. He wouldn't bow to their rules and regulations. But he came, Jesus says, ultimately not as a Witness, but that men might be saved because he was witnessing that Jesus was the Christ. And so as we get to verse 37, 36 today, I'm sorry, he says in John chapter 5, verse 36, But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you might have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another one comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from from the only God? 
Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father is one who accuses you Moses in whom you trust. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? What does he say here? The next thing we're going to see is the witness of his works. He's been talking about people testifying for him. And now here he's going to go to some visual evidence. And so he says, But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Remember, go back if you went back to chapter 3, remember what Nicodemus said? Nicodemus said in chapter 3, first thing he says, he comes to him in verse 2, and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Pharisees, they knew that he was healing on the Sabbath, that he claimed to be equal with God. I mean, who else could turn water into wine? Who else could heal a man that had been paralyzed 38 years? Who else can bring new life to a woman who is an immoral woman? But he does these things. And as we go through this whole book, we'll see the whole reason this book was written is in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, where he says, And many other signs did Jesus do, but these, these signs have been written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and believe and you might have life in his name. John chapter 9, one man says, This man were not from God, he could do nothing. That's in John chapter 9, verse 33. The people know that Jesus is from God because nobody can do signs like Jesus does except for somebody that's connected to God, right? I mean, if these folks had looked in the Old Testament and and read the Old Testament like they were supposed to be reading it and studying it and not just studying for studying's sake, then they would have known that the Old Testament spoke of these signs that that only Jesus could do. I mean, in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, Jesus talks about all these things and He says that, you know, that He came to heal the the blind and to bring sight to the blind and, and heal the brokenhearted to set the captives free. He says, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and he's preaching the gospel to the poor and he's healing the brokenhearted. He's doing all these things. Later on when John the Baptist gets locked up, he says, tell John, he says, because John's asking, is this the Jesus that was promised? He says, tell John that the, the dead see again. I mean, the dead are raised, the blind see again. And the paralyzed are walk, and and all these things were foretold in the Old Testament that that was what Jesus was going to do. And I don't see anybody walking around doing that today, healing people. It'd be nice, right? We'd send somebody over here today, and we'd get rid of all these walkers. We'd get rid of all these things that y'all have to use, right? But it just unfortunately. That's not the way God is working right now. Some people He does heal that way. But in most cases, 
the healing ultimately comes when we go to heaven. I remember a guy at one of the places I used to, that I went to, and the guy looked at me one day. He says, "Yeah, we were over in Haiti, and we were healing people and raising the dead and all kinds of stuff." And and he he turned around and looked, and he says. Yeah, we ought to go over to the hospital and walk down the hall and heal some folks. And I'm like, he turned around and looked at me like, you know, like, what you going to say about that? And I, I wanted to tell him, say, look, why don't we go? I want to see this because that's not the way God works in most cases today. Yes, God's still in the miracle business. Yes, God still heals. But He doesn't do it at the whim of man, just walking around and healing people and touching people. He does it because it fits His needs. Because He uses our healings. He uses our infirmities. He uses the things in our life that we go through to make us more like Him. And so sometimes it's in His purposes to heal us. Sometimes it's in His purposes not to heal us. And so the ultimate healing is when we go to heaven because up in heaven we will be ultimately healed, won't we? I'd hate to think I had to live in this old world for forever. You know, some people act like they want to live forever. And it's nice to live in this world. But it's going to be so much better if we make it to heaven. For those that have trusted Christ, when we go to heaven, it's going to be so much better than down here, right? I hope you're looking forward to heaven. We might not be saying, well, I'm ready to go right now today. But if He comes, we need to be ready. But see, the works that... Jesus did, they witnessed to Him. Because nobody else could do the miracles that Jesus did. He took water. He skipped the grapes. He skipped the grapevine. He skipped the the whole process. And He took water and turned it into wine. Now I got a few grape bushes out in my backyard. I've been trying to get some grapes grow on them for a few years think they didn't have enough fertilizer, didn't have enough sun, and needed to mature a little bit more. I had a few this year. It takes planting the bush. It takes growing the bush. It takes fertilizer. It takes sun. It takes time, right? And then you get a grape. And then, if you're going to make wine out of it, it takes more time. Jesus just skipped every bit of that. And He was saying He was the God over creation. Because... He just he was the God over time. He just skipped every bit of that. He heals the man who has been sick 38 years. He, he's God over time. He just heals him totally and completely. Doesn't matter how long we've been sick. Doesn't matter what's going on. He heals him completely and totally. The man doesn't even have to have physical therapy. He just gets up off his feet and he immediately walks. He heals the nobleman's son. He shows that he's God over distance because this this young man that is sick is about 15 miles away. And the man says, my son's sick. And Jesus says, go, your son lives. And 15 miles away, this boy is healed totally and completely. And he goes home and his servants meet him on the way and they say, They say, your son, he lives, he's well. And he asks, what time did he get well? And he says, such and such an hour. And he knew that that was the moment that Jesus spoke the Word. And so what happens? 
Later on, we're eventually going to see the fact that they can't stop Jesus from doing His works and they don't, they don't want Him to be from God. The Pharisee leaders don't. And they don't want Him to be from God because that messes up their whole religious system. Remember the whole book of John, what Jesus is doing is He's destroying their religious system. Today we have churches. We've had churches since the beginning of time that they glorify man, they glorify us. Because anytime we say that we can do something to get to heaven, we're taking God out of the picture. God says that there's none righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. He says that none can come to the Father unless the Father draws him. He says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way to heaven. You can't work your way in it. You can't pay your way in it. You can't get baptized in it. You can't take communion into it. You can't join a church and get into it. But you have to be like a little child, Jesus said, to humbly say, God, I can't do it on my own. Please forgive me. Please save me. I mean, a, a child is, is helpless, right? I mean, there's certain things that a child can't do, and so you have to help them. And Jesus says we need to be like that little child, humble, realizing, man, I can't make it to heaven on my own, but I need to ask Him to forgive me. Ask Him to save me. Ask Him to change me. Because the only way I'm going to make it to heaven is if I trust Jesus. His works are done that we might believe that He is the Christ. And His works testify of Him. Then if you want to look at verse 37, He says, And the Father Himself who sent Me has testified of Me. You have neither heard His voice at any time, nor seen His form. But you do not have His Word abiding in you, because whom He sent, Him you do not believe. So He says here, verse 37, The Father Himself who sent Me has testified to Me. Now we don't know exactly when He's talking about, but all through the Old Testament, you look all the way through the Old Testament, you can go all the way back to Genesis Chapter 3, verse 15, and it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Her seed is capitalized. He shall bruise your head that he is capitalized and you shall bruise his heel. That is the first good news right after the fall. God the Father tells Adam and Eve, He says, that Jesus is going to come. The seed of the woman, the virgin woman, that we're fixing to celebrate the birth of Jesus in the next month at Christmas, and Jesus is coming. He was born of a virgin. God came down, and He put Jesus in the womb of a woman, and she was a virgin, and she bore a child. And that child grew up to be the sinless Savior of the world. That's what the Bible says. And it was foretold all the way back in Genesis 3.15 and all the way through the Old Testament. There's a scarlet thread that talks about Jesus coming. Talks about, I read in the Psalms a couple of days ago, says, 
Something about, can you tell me about the Father and what is His Son's name? He's talking about Jesus. And over and over and over again, the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming. Isaiah 53 said, He was bruised for our iniquities. So that it pleased God to bruise Him. And by His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. But God has put our sin, our guilt, our iniquity on Him. And so the Father has testified. He even spoke, remember, at Jesus' baptism. Remember what happened at Jesus' baptism? The Holy Spirit comes down like a dove and rests over Jesus. And then the Father speaks from heaven and He says what? This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Later on, and we'll see in the book of John, that that Jesus goes to the Mount of Transfiguration. He goes to the mountain and He goes with Peter, James, and John. And He goes up there. And at that time on the mountain, Jesus is transfigured. They see His glory. He shines like the noonday sun. And from heaven, the voice speaks and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Bible tells us over and over and over again through the Word of God. It tells us over in Hebrews that He is the express image, the exact image of God the Father. That He is God in human flesh. Over and over and over again, we can see that, that the Father testifies to Jesus. He says that He has testified to me and you've neither heard His voice. Now He spoke it the baptism, but you know who he speaks through all the time? And he says, you've never seen his form. But you know who he's speaking through? Jesus. Because in Hebrews it says that God in various ways, at many times and many places, spoke through the prophets. But now in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. And so he speaks through his son, Jesus. And here He is, God of very God, walking amongst them. They don't believe He's God. They won't hear what He has to say. The very One who is sent to be their Savior, they reject and they want to kill. There's a verse also in John chapter 1, verse 18. He says, No one has seen God at any time The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. What He says is the the Son Jesus has explained Him. He has shown us who He is. And so as we look at the New Testament, they didn't have all that then, but Jesus has told them He was God, but they just don't believe it. The Father's testified to Him through the Old Testament. But they don't believe it. You know, it's amazing how much evidence we can be presented with and still not believe something sometimes. You know it? It's amazing. I mean, some people go to church week after week after week after week and they hear all this stuff out in the Bible. They hear the Word of God. They see the changed lives. They see all the stuff that happens to people. And yet they won't believe it. And that's the same thing that's going on here. John's testified. Jesus has testified. His works have testified. 
His fathers testified. And we're going to see in a minute that the Scriptures testify. I mean, you know, that's one way that the Father testified is through the Scriptures, right? The next thing we'll see is the witness of the Word. But yet these people just will not believe that Jesus is God. So look what he says in verse 38. He says, uh, But you do not have His Word abiding in you, because whom He sent, Him you do not believe. The Bible says that, that if we believe His Word, and we have His Word in us, the Bible says that Jesus is the Word of God, right? But if we have His Word abiding in us, we will believe. But they, they have the Word and they don't believe. They don't believe Jesus. And so He says that y'all folks are not saved because y'all will not believe. And then He says in verse 39, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think, you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may not that you may have life. So he says, You search the scriptures. And what that meant was that they diligently scrutinized. These folks, remember what I told you about the Pharisees? They memorized the first five books of the Bible. We're talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We're talking about that much of the Bible they memorized. And yet, they would count the characters on the page. They knew exactly how many characters were on each scroll, each page of the scroll. But you know what? They didn't believe what they read. Have you ever seen anybody... They got so involved in what they were doing that they kind of forgot the whole reason they were doing it. You know what I mean? They like work for a group trying to help kids and maybe they spend so much time working at the place that guess what they do? They neglect their own kids. They form an organization trying to help a family. You know what they do? They forget their family. You know, it's amazing. We can get so caught up in the ins and outs of our life that we forget the reason we're here. Sometimes we go through the motions of everyday living and we forget why we're here because we get so caught up in all the little things that go on, all the little pains and the problems and all the little things that go on and we forget the real reason we're supposed to be here. To be here is to enjoy life, life and life abundantly, that we'd have joy and that we'd have peace, that we'd have eternal life. And, and we forget that and we get so caught up in the everyday ins and outs of life, the mundaneness that we forget that there's more to life than just those little things. And that's what happened to these people. They studied the Scriptures and all they did was study, 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 study. They knew how many... They could tell me how many characters was on this page. But they missed the Jesus of the Bible. You know, some people go to church every week, like I said. They hear the preacher. And they get so caught up in what he's saying. 
they missed the Jesus of the Bible. Some people get caught up in going to church every week and they say, oh, well, you know, I got to be to church and I can't miss Sunday school and I can't miss church and I got to be there and I got to do this and I got to do that. And then they miss the whole reason they're there to learn about Jesus. And he says that these scriptures testify him. They search him and they think that they have eternal life. I mean, there was a guy that was a rabbi. He was actually the guy that uh, Paul stood, studied under. His name was Hillel. He was the greatest rabbi of that time. And you know what he said? He said, the more study of the law, the more life. If he has gained for himself words of the law, he has gained for himself life in the world to come. In other words, they thought because they studied the Word, because they memorized it, because they read it, could tell you how many characters was on the page, they thought that that life in heaven was going to be better. Isn't that what we do today? We say, oh, well, you know, if I do more stuff for God, if I do this and I do that, that's where this works religion came in, is... People say, well, if I do this for God and I do that for God and I do this for God, He'll accept me. He'll let me into heaven. And Jesus said, no. Unless you come as a little child humbly asking for forgiveness and saying, I can't get in there on my own. You'll never make it. But what does He say here? These Scriptures testify of Him, but... You are not willing to come to me that you might have life. So what did they do? They hated Jesus so bad. The God, a very God who came in human flesh. Can you imagine God's walking among them? Right there in their midst. And they miss Him. You know, God's in our midst today. His Holy Spirit is here. His Word is here. And God is here with us today. I hope and pray you won't miss Him. So many people, they don't want to believe the story of the Bible that there's only one way. Oh, I've got to do something to get into heaven. And the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, By grace you are saved through faith that is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And the whole reason this is done this way, He tells us over in Ephesians or Philippians chapter 2, he says that one day that every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. See, because when we trust God to do the things for us that we can't do, He gets the glory, right? I mean, when I live my life every day and I trust God to help me to live my life and get me through the hard times that I can't deal with, he gets the glory. People look at me and go, well, how'd you go through all that? Man, I was, you'd be, I'd been about going crazy. They'd have had to put me in this sane asylum. You ever wonder why we got so many people locked up in those places today? We got, why we got so many people depressed? Why we got so many people locked up in the jails and the prisons? Why we got so many people committing suicide, and all these young folks today wanting to hurt themselves and hurt other people. You wonder why this world's so messed up? 
because people aren't trusting the God of the Bible. No, God's not going to make life perfect. He's not going to get rid of all our problems. But He will be with us through our problems. And when we depend on Him, as we sang a little bit ago, standing on the promises, when we stand on those promises that God gave us, He said He'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. And so when we trust Him to be with us, no matter what life deals us, then we need to realize that Jesus can do everything He says He did, right? And then He says in Philippians 4.13, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, life's not perfect. Life's hard. Life's tough. But when we trust Jesus, we not only get heaven, but we also can have joy and peace and abundant life while we're here. And I hope and pray that today you're trusting in Jesus. Because He said here that they are not willing to believe. And they wouldn't willing to come to Him. And a lot of times people just don't believe that message because they think there's something we can do to get in there, to earn it, to deserve it, to pay for it. But as the old song says, Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but He washes me white as snow. Well, let's... Have a word of prayer today, and then uh, we'll sing number 18, Count Your Blessings. Father, we love You today. We thank You, and we praise You for what You've done in our lives. We ask today that You would work in our lives, that if there's somebody here that doesn't know You, Lord, I pray that You would help them to trust You today. Because You said none could come unless the Father draws them. And You also said that these folks were not willing to come. But if they would be willing, you said, whoever comes, I will in no ways cast out. So Father, draw all men unto you today and women. Draw them today, Lord, if there's one that doesn't know you. And forgive them and save them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Scene number 18. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry 
to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.